0: Snack production. Market. The S&P. The ISX stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag.
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday mailbag edition. It's special because it's Sunday, it's special because it's a mailbag, and it's special because I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Andrew Page Esquire. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Uh, how are you? I'm exceptionally well. Do you know I'm listening to the audiobook of a, uh, a kind of partly humorous but factual history book called Gert. The Unofficial History of Australia, whose author's name I can't remember. But there was a very early, you know, John MacArthur, the whole father of Australia, the weak merino guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, He apparently offended one of his uh, long-time enemies by not referring to him as Esquire and calling him Mr. Instead, which apparently just suggests he wasn't a gentleman. If you're a gentleman, you're Andrew Page Esquire, but if you're not, you're Mr. Andrew Page. And apparently, oh. apparently that was so offensive that it uh, started a, a lifelong uh, animosity between the two men. So there you go. I'll call you Andrew Page Esquire because I don't want to cause that sort of outcome. I will demand it from now on. Can I say that's the only fact... There's this sort of fact you're only going to get on Motley Fool Money. There's no other finance podcast talking about that and that is a shame, but dear listener, you are welcome. Uh, We are bringing you the good stuff. Not just, not just finance, not just investing, but also the occasional piece of random, unimportant
0: Australian history. Uh, Can I give you a fun fact? I only learned this the other day and I, I tweeted it out. Um, buybacks were illegal in the US prior to 1982. Yes, isn't that amazing? And they were only formalized. I tried to look it up on Australia. I couldn't find anything, but I think it was around 1995 that the current rules were actually formalized. Right, very, very recent an invention.
1: Can you... So so share buyback for those who aren't uh, familiar with them. Is when a company simply says, you know what, we've got 100 shares an issue, we're going to buy back 10 of them. Uh, therefore, the remaining 90 shares simply have a larger proportional ownership of the company. And you would do yeah, it if tear you're a company. The other ones up. Yeah, you would do it if you're a company if you wanted to, um, if you thought your shares were too cheap and you wanted to create some value for remaining shareholders, you'd buy back those cheap shares, use your cash, in theory, to create value by doing so. Can you imagine why it would have been illegal at the time?
0: Or do you know? There were there were some concerns as I a quick Google, so it's hardly a deep dive analysis, but I believe there were some concerns over the potential for share price manipulation. Huh. So you and I give ourselves a bunch of stock uh, that might vest at a certain price or be you know, options that might be in the money, and we just buy back a bunch of shares, which might not, might not be prudent capital allocation, but sort of manipulate the price in our favor. Hmm. Uh, I think there was also tax concerns uh, as well. Because uh, okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you would buy shares back with pre-tax earnings. Oh, I didn't know that. I'd be surprised. Or maybe I'm wrong on that. No, you might be I'm right. You on maybe you're right maybe yeah. it's an investing
1: decision. You could be right. I, I'd
0: not thought of that. Yeah. So um, I mean, it's absolutely it's absolute. Particularly, so remember, the U.S. doesn't have a franking system. Yeah. Australia is very fortunate in that in that regard. Mm. Um, and that's why we have so many companies that, that favour that. So when, when you're going to cop the full whack tax-wise of any mm-hmm. dividend, mm-hmm. a buyback looks comparatively much more attractive because you actually get the value, in theory at least, without having to sell. Cause you just you just you, it's the opposite of dilution, just concentrating your ownership in the business, yeah, yeah. which all else being equal should should mean that the, the share price rises, and mm-hmm. you don't you mm-hmm. obviously don't pay tax until you sell, at which point it's a capital gains event. Yeah. So um, yeah, they've become they've become incredibly popular. They have. I'm. I'm not. I'm not against them at all.
1: Um, I know there is a view out there somehow that company money being used to buy back shares is somehow evil. I don't. I've never understood why that would be a, a horrible thing. Um, notwithstanding that, actually, the, there are potential for things like manipulation and maybe some tax reductions. But the, I, I don't. I don't. I never understood the the grief about it. Do you get it?
0: Uh, only in the sense where it's egregious is. That it's very poor use of the capital. Oh, In other yeah, words, right. it can be stupid, but it should be illegal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. So the shares are. It only makes sense when the shares are at a pretty reasonable discount to yep. a, a fair and accurate assumption of of, of intrinsic value. Hmm. Uh, and there's no better use for it. I mean, maybe we could take that money and build another factory and, and really juice yes. profits for the next few years. So, you, you, yeah, but assuming assuming you've got excess cash with nothing else to do with it mm. and you want to return it to shareholders in some way, shape or form, and your shares are trading at a nice low price, great, bring it on. I... Um yeah, so many,
1: so many questions come from that. I'll probably move on to the mailbag, so I don't, <laughs> we don't take up this whole episode with my, my thoughts and questions. But um, we will, we will move on. I there is a, I'm not, I'm never sure whether we actually would save a lot of investors and and companies from themselves if we banned them again, given how badly a lot of these companies use some of this uh, capital buyback. shares at stupidly high prices. It's, it's, it's almost the perfect again with example with. Um, With exceptions, almost the perfect contrary indicator, right? When a company's buying back shares, there's a decent chance the shares are actually overvalued rather than undervalued, which is when they should be doing it. Um, Yeah, let's move on. A question from Graham who says, anonymous, bugger, do that again. Hi, Scott and Andrew. I'm only 58, but I do prefer email, he says. I do so enjoy your podcast each week and the varied subject matter, rants and banter. We do (laughs) all those two things. One thing I find not covered in the press, which you did touch on in a recent podcast, albeit ever so briefly, is the impact of inflation on debt and, by extension, the real versus nominal returns of investments. So I have three questions, says Graham. or who wanted to be anonymous, but I forgot. Number one, given debt is nominal and given inflation is 7% plus, and given GDP is, I think, stated in real terms, is not the real burden of our government debt being inflated away fast? And as a
0: proportion of GDP, is debt not shrinking fast? Yep. That's that. That's that's exactly 100%. Graham, you're so bang on. It's it's exactly what no one says. No one says that quiet part out loud, (laughs) and no politician or central banker is going to say, "Actually, it would be really great if we could just sustain five or six percent inflation for a while," because it exactly solves that problem. The other way, the better way to solve the problem is just to grow. Really, let's just the economy just to go on a real tear. We grow ourselves out of it, so the the debt to GDP ratio changes in in that. In that manner,
1: it doesn't actually reduce the um, debt, right? It just increases our ability to pay the debt, and makes the debt smaller as a proportion of all those things. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. And we, we actually, it's funny that Funny Graham asks because or oh, Anonymous asks. Sorry, Graham, we really <laughs> dropped the ball on this. Oh
1: know, I, I dropped the ball. Don't, don't, don't you take any blame for that one, mate? So That's it's all of, on me. Out of the bag, That's no, all on me. The,
0: um, um, it's funny because when we finished the last podcast, exactly what we were chatting about, uh, which is that you really want inflation to be at a point where it's bearable mm-hmm. and just before people start to really get politically active that's what that's what you want if if you're a, if you're in the the cloak <laughs> around you know in 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 uh, the middle of mount doom as part of your inner cabal of uh, elites that are controlling the world um you, that, <laughs> that that's is. how you that, i'm joking i'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek people yeah no i know i'm being i'm being tongue-in-cheek but but yeah I, I, absolutely um Mm -hmm. Two or three percent in um, inflation and very stagnant growth is just going to make that a very difficult problem, that debt, a very difficult
1: problem. Graham's second question. I've got nothing to add on that one, by the way. Graham's second question. I've heard various financial results, particularly in the US, being dismissed as not particularly great as they are not much better than inflation. I get that, he says. But we don't invest in real terms; we invest in nominal dollar. If a stock beats inflation and a little more, then is it not actually not protecting your real return? And if funded by, say, a redraw on your mortgage, then isn't inflation your friend in a strictly mm. leveraged investment sense? He says.
0: Yep. Yep. That, that, that is that is also
1: absolutely true. I'm going to have mm. half a. I'm going to take half a, a, an objection to that thought, only in the sense that a little bit better than inflation is fine. But you want as an investor the, the, the best return you can possibly get. I think the difference here would be if I get a ten percent annual return three years ago when inflation was one percent, or a ten percent annual return today when inflation is seven percent, I'm just I, I, it's not the, the 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 real return I'm getting, in other words, I've got to pay my bills still. So the, the amount of the amount of gain I'm making, I have less of it I have more of it to I had more of it two years ago to use after I covered inflation than I do now. And so I think there is some sense of that. While he's right that we invest a nominal dollar, we're spending those nominal dollars on increasing nominal <laughs> costs, right? Which is why we talk about real costs at some level. So yes, a four percent return in a three percent inflation world is better than a two percent return. But if you're only beating inflation by one percent, that's all you're going ahead by. You're increasing your um, you're increasing your wealth or your ability to pay your bills by the the difference there. And so mm. in a higher inflation world. If that gap is smaller, you're simply not advancing as quickly as you would otherwise. So, yeah, it's a nominal dollar gain, but um, but but I think there is some element where it's just simply a case of you want the best possible return, and measuring against the rising cost of living, I think, is the right metric. Do you disagree, Andrew?
0: I mean, it gets it's. A, I'm so. What am I trying to say? Uh, so many of what seem like obvious, almost like. "Quote unquote" dumb questions are the best questions yeah. I find, and and they actually go to the heart of things. Like you know, like what is money, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> but it's. I mean, they, they're just numbers, yeah. right? What what matters is the purchasing yes. power, which how is how many bananas right. is this, yeah. so how many houses is this, how many Teslas right. is this? That's right. yep. that's that is the only thing that matters. So if you want to feel great about yourself for your portfolio going from a hundred grand to ten million dollars mm. in the space mm. of ten years. Well, just, just ask yourself what's happening there. I mean, go talk to someone who's, you know, from Zimbabwe or mm, mm, mm. Argentina or, or Lebanon or, mm, you know, all these fact, well it's yeah. crazy how often in common mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the people who live under hyperinflationary conditions are going to find very little solace in some of those gains. So, yes, 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 100 times yes. It meant real, real returns matter. Often you and I are guilty of this because mm. it's just, gets complicated but we'll often say <laughs> the average long term return for the share market is 10%. Yeah. Yep. Um, with with dividends reinvested, you know, and that's mm-hmm. some years it's better and some it's worse but just tends to average up. That some some people will argue it's closer to 9, others will argue it's closer yeah. to 11, whatever. Yeah. It's yeah. a thumb suck. You tend to double your money every 7 years. Yep. But you don't double your purchasing power every year. Long-term inflation, sort of, usually around three percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, by the way, historically, very, very low. It's between 2011 and 2021. It was it was 1.9 percent. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Gosh, we had a, gosh, we had it good there for Didn't a while. Didn't we? Yeah. Uh, we don't. I don't think I mean, we're finding out now just how good good we had it. But anyway, it's closer to three percent. So in terms of your wealth uh, and your purchasing, as measured by purchasing power. Actually, it's the, the the real returns of the market are probably closer to seven percent per annum. Mm. So it's it's good. I mean, you 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 just you just got to know what you what you're talking about. Ten is better than 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 seven, but but the seven is the more important number.
1: Yep, agreed. And so you know, granted just to that point, yes, a little bit better inflation is you know a higher number is better than a lower number. But you want to, as as Andrew says, be able to buy more cans of coke. And if the cans of Coke are increasing faster than your portfolio, no matter how fast you go up, you're buying fewer cans. So, you want that gap to be as big as possible. Um, Can I say something really is. controversial?
0: Oh, I'm, I'm more and more doubting. No, it's not. Okay, good. But, but maybe influenced. Um, <laughs> I haven't yet any I, – I took it for granted my whole career mm. because it was just what everyone said, mm. which is you actually want a bit of inflation. You yep. want 2 to 3% is – it's actually, that number comes from Australia. Yes. It's actually yeah. employed globally. All right, then and yeah. it became as an offhand remark from one of our earlier mm. central bankers because it felt about right. Mm. So it's actually, there's no, there's no quantitative yeah. analysis or big statistical totally. review into that number. Yeah. It's, it's actually someone say, well, we want a little bit. That feels about right. And now it's mm. official target. Mm. Um, I don't know why we need inflation. Oh, that's do you easy. Wanna, do you want to have a, go tell me. That's easy. Because if prices are going to go down in the
1: future- then mm-hmm. the whole economy grinds to a halt. No, BS.
0: I used to think that too. So why would, so, you, why would so, you buy a car I'll that I example. It's going to be cheaper in six months' time? Do you, have you bought a TV in the last five years? Yes. Well, why? TVs get cheaper and cheaper every year. They always have. You go back to your parents buying mm. a TV, that was mm. a big investment. Mm. That was a huge investment. Very expensive bit of electronics. Yep. TVs and electronics in general have come down a lot. We're mad for it. We buy it all the time. Every time a new phone comes out or whatever, it's just, you know, that these things get cheaper and cheaper. So it does it it, it I actually. Think
1: a, I think those are the exceptions I made. If you t- if you take that across the economy and you think about not, everything not you true. buy, you think about everything you buy was going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. If a house was going to be cheaper in a year's so time, would you buy one today? So
0: so this your milk is to If was going to be cheaper get into- on Friday, would you buy it on Friday or would you buy it today? So so what I'm talking about is if you want to talk about a hyperinflationary or hyperdeflationary situation, mm, yeah. yep. and that's why hyperinflation is so bad or very extreme yes, inflation totally. yes. is bad. Yep, yep, yep. And the same way that it's extreme. So if I thought that a house was going to be 10% cheaper next year, no, I wouldn't. If I thought all else being equal, yeah. and, and all else being equal, the pace of this deflation yeah. would pretty much align perfectly with, with productivity gains. So yeah. we just get better and more efficient at making things because – yay science and technology which yeah. is awesome yeah. <laughs> you know so the amount the amount of uh food and variety of food that i have available today mm-hmm. is incredible yes. and it's, it's it's incredible because our farming techniques and our logistics and our transport yeah, and totally. our yeah, j- yeah. you know it's it's it's, it's actually it, yep. Scale. it's actually gone down a heap yeah, yeah. now so if i want so you i think you're right to point it out so if you want to say if if productivity on average increases 2 to 3% a year mm-hmm. and a house was going to get 2 or 3% less expensive next year no i wouldn't because it, at a point i want a house right yeah. yes yes and same as i want a car i want a yes. tv i want to go on holidays yeah. i want an iphone i want i want i want i want because i'm a human and we all yes. want and we yes. want to consume so when you have when you have a reasonable place of deflation mm. and one that aligns with productivity i actually think no you'd It's actually a great thing. You'll still spend – you might have less conspicuous consumption. You might be more – less – and this is probably a good thing for the environment and for a lot of things. You you look at countries that have persistently high – look, we won't have to get to hyperinflation, but persistently high inflation. Mm. You know what you do with your money when you get it? You spend it (laughs) because what else are you going to do, right? And so you're buying stuff you don't really need. Uh, in the, it, just because it's is like the money is worthless so I need to put it into something. And that causes all kinds of problems as well. So I I refute your premise, sir, unless you're talking about hyper deflation, in which case... No, I would be.
1: see, I, I, I'm not. And I think the difference to my mind is, I, I probably was too flippant with my original answer. When I said the economy grinds to a halt, that was, that was hyperbole. The issue is everything that we know is what happens in an economy when it goes from growing at 1% to declining at 1%. You know, recessions that cause 15% unemployment... Don't happen because the um, economic output contra- contracts by thirty percent.
0: Mm.
1: It's o- it's only the edge case, and what happens with the edge cases is all of a sudden that creates its own snowball. And so you don't need you don't need massive deflation. You don't need massive economic contraction. You just need a sense of this may this if if value is going to be curtailed. The longer I own an asset, the less it's worth. If I buy it now, it's worth less in future. You create a scenario where people become adverse to producing, buying, holding assets of any sort because the longer you own anything, it's worth less at some future point. And you don't need to have an economy that contracts by 30% to make that problematic. You only need an economy that contracts or is going to contract to actually make those animal spirits go into reverse. And it comes
0: back to sorry
1: go on uh, no, i know i would i would hypothesize that you would do meaningful economic damage to an economy when enough people simply said i'm not going to buy own hold produce create because i don't know what i'm going to get for that asset if i'm if i got a widget making process that takes I don't know, six weeks um eight weeks ten weeks a year put wine away for three years whatever those things are if those things to be worth less the longer i own them and hold them I'm incentivized to get rid of them as quickly as possible and not do them in the first place. I think the, the change to the expect... You know we, you and I work in, in the world of expected values, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, that, in that environment, I don't think it needs much to tip a, a growing economy into a contracting economy. And once you do that and you can't get out of that because the same forces that suggest it will contract continue to be the case, uh, I think you cause meaningful economic harm.
0: It comes back to Graham's point though, right? It's only contracting in nominal terms. In real terms, I'm actually, my savings are worth more each year. So now I can buy more. I can actually get le- get by on less pay because it, my money buys me more stuff. But when the national savings I'm still going is
1: to be- 6% of income, that's not meaningfully useful, right? Like the, the actual, the actual the ownership of any asset becomes poison. You would not want to own anything what, what- that was going to be worth less in a year's time
0: why no that doesn't make sense so let's say i let's say i want to run a bi- own a business yep. i want to put some money in yep. now yep. money that i can probably reasonably expect to be buy me 2 or 3% more each, each and every year it just changes the hurdle rate right i'm still going to do it like if i could, if i can make a 20% compound return on on this investment yeah. i'm going to do it and and human human optimism and ingenuity well, i would suggest there will always be entrepreneurs out there that will go actually we could do this and we could do it better and we could capture more of the market and we can make a bunch of money. Hmm. Now, if, if we're growing our earnings at 20% per year and there's 2% deflation, are you going to not do that? I, I think, is I think that the thing first, the not first, worth more as the business but it grows? Your first point, like? though, is the
1: challenge for mine, is why would you why do you, why do you think you would be able to get that? that, that is, the return you're hypothesising assumes the economy doesn't break in the first place. So you kind of you, But why is I it think, break?
0: I don't understand why no, it's well, break.
1: but my point is you're assuming the result. You're, you're assuming the outcome in the analysis. You're saying deflation is not bad, therefore I'm going to, be able to make a 20% return. Therefore I make 20%. return therefore see that proves that deflation is not bad. You have used the you've used the chance of a 20% return and said I will obviously make this return. So and in an inflation environment, see therefore it's a good idea. What I'm saying is that return itself would be in jeopardy. You can't use it as an input while you assuming it's also an output of the same exercise. Like logically I think it I think it falls over.
0: We'll, well, take logic from first principles yep. here. Like, if I told you that things are, you can expect things yes. that you want as yes. a human and a consumer to yes. get cheaper each year. Is that yes. a good or bad? Or would you prefer they got more expensive? Like, no, I want, I want them cheaper.
1: I would, I would prefer something that I consume to be cheaper. If I'm going to hold any sort of asset that depreciates away, we we say this every time, right? Don't buy a car because it's a depreciating asset. Take mm-hmm. take that to its nth, nth degree. People it, buy
0: cars all the time.
1: Yeah, but but the best advice is not to for exactly that reason. So again, but, I, but, but people people buy cars all the time. <laughs> but my argument is it's, you don't need the whole whole thing to stop. You only you only need it to edge over that recession's only decline. You know, last time we had a recession, the economy declined by one point five percent. The unemployment went up by six percentage points. Like that, that's 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 the that's the leverage we're talking about, right? So You don't need to say. Yeah, but
0: you're you're measuring you're measuring that you're you're, you're, you're um choosing its worth through the through the current lens mm. so if you want to say so generally recessions are bad because people lose their jobs yes right um uh, but they, but they don't the lose time. their jobs but they don't lose their jobs because
1: the economy goes to pot right it's it's the it's the psychic in, uh, impact of what happens there is there's not there's only one and a half percent we produce for every hundred things we produced last year we should produce ninety eight and a half of them and yet, yet unemployment or the number of people employed falls by a much greater proportion so businesses do different things because they expect the future to be worse. That's almost the point, right? So well, why are we
0: producing less for again?
1: Because we buy because well, people are buying less. Like, well, that, that's a whole economic question. In See itself. what I mean? You so measure it, that's, that's, it's that's how you measure
0: though. it. So if you actually want to talk about units, yeah. like iPhones or yeah. shoes or whatever, I don't think that people will be spending. We're buying less of them. I'm just saying they will cost less.
1: Yeah, no, My point is production driven. My point is my point, my point is the, point is the um, psychological, emotional, human behavior impact of a decline. So we have more people out of work. We have a disproportionate number of people who lose their jobs in a recession. And it's not because those employers all went broke at the same time. It's because people went, oops, there's going to be a recession or there is a recession, therefore I can't hire anybody. And those people say, well, I might lose my jobs, therefore I won't spend. Like it's it's those, it's those behavioral implications that actually cause the damage from the recession itself rather than the fact that production goes from 198 and a half.
0: Yeah, that that not so that, pe- that People expect their savings to be worth more and their purchasing power to increase and that's going to i don't get the connection between what that starting that expectation and then moving in and then the economy moving into recession
1: my argument is that people will so my the recession analogy was you don't need the whole economy to stop working for deflation to be bad you need it to be slightly slightly detrimental
0: to become its own self-fulfilling prophecy
1: uh, like a like a recession, use the recession.
0: As I think in. some people would argue it actually gets rid of a lot of malinvestment. I think it, it actually increases hurdle rates for the allocation of capital. I think it actually preserves some kind of monetary integrity that you know we just, things, just you we can't just, eat those things. They're all they're
1: all hypothetical ideas, right? At the end of the day, if as a business, if I've got a store of assets in the in the factory, the yeah. longer they sit there, I am not going to buy those things because I won't be able to turn them into something productive. And the longer I hold them,
0: the worse they the less they're worth. So I am going to stop doing that thing. Like so, no, people today don't try and manage inventories, and I mean, you're always going to do that. That's that's the same. I'm not like I'm not I'm not sitting under the current environment happily filling every shelf of my warehouse being full to the brim because it's an inflationary environment. In fact, it's actually still pretty crappy, right? Like you're always going to strive for efficiencies and value creation. That's what business is, yeah. you know. And I, I don't. I I think it's such it's like asking the fish, what is water? You know, we are so in the system that we can't, and we take it all for for granted where I've actually, I think if you come at it from a first principles view, I know what you're saying. And these are all the things I would have said a couple of years ago, because that's what the response has always been. But I just don't think anyone's actually ever come up with just then an assertion that that's what it would be like. You're trying to prove it, disprove a counterfactual without us ever Actually, ever been in that kind of I know that. That's so, you're absolutely right. But that, that's what we're both doing, right? We're both we're both arguing
1: a, a view of, of human society and what yeah, we think would happen yeah. next. And we just we're just yeah. taking different perspectives. I'm no I'm no more demonstrably right than you are. Demonstrably right or wrong, depending which way we want to look at it. Each, but mm. I, I I think I think I I think uh, so. I'm I'm a, I'm a human behaviorist at, at heart, right? When it comes to most of the things I've learned about investing, the more we do this, the more I think human behavior is all that matters. Brands, values, work—you know everything. Everything comes down to how do I feel about the system that we operate in. And to your point, had we had we always, you know, had the fish always lived in air, we might be happy with a deflationary environment. My my concern would be taking eight billion people in the world and saying, actually, now it's deflationary rather than inflationary. But trust me, everything's fine. Keep doing what you're doing. I, I don't. Mm. I don't think we get away with that. I don't. I don't think human behaviour. Even if even if you're technically correct in, in a in a controlled environment state or in a state that starts with either zero or it's always been like this do i think it'd be horrible no we, humans would have found a way to thrive in a, in a deflationary environment so i don't think your theory is wrong my, my issue comes down to if we went from x to y and made that made that there's people who talk about degrowth right as the answer to our environmental problems and i don't even think i'm talking i'm not ta- i just want to be clear no no I'm no, about about no yeah. what i was going to say is i don't think they're, i don't think they're wrong I think that's i think that's a perfectly solid sustainable way to live on the planet do i think humans being humans with our love for greed and capitalism and making more money and making more things and doing more stuff do i think we can get there no i think i think it's i think it's fanciful not because theoretically it's not possible but because our society our cultures don't do that thing and that's so that my, my take on on your suggestion is not that deflation couldn't work in an alien environment or from zero if we always done it but that making that change would be such a dramatic shock to the economic system because of our behavioral changes i think that alone mm. would be enough reason to suggest that just that just hold what do you mean this is all different i don't know what to do now i don't know what's going on either we go that's really scary oh it's okay or we go that's really scary the economy grinds to halt. like oh hang on we've got to stop doing all the things we're doing and we don't really know what to do and the way yeah. i think the way i perceive the world changes i don't think you can make a cultural shift like that on a global scale and expect there to be no negative impact
0: yeah, yeah. Well, technically we're meant to be answering other people's questions Apparently. and not mine. But <laughs> but I will I will just I will I guess I would say is is that we, we just had a decade of virtually no inflation. Yeah. And if 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 it happened to have been negative one percent over that mm. period, again we live in this little bubble where we're obsessed with this kind of stuff. I think yep. you know, Joe Average just out there getting on with life, yep. working a job, saving and that. Had we lived in a world where inflation Sort of swung gradually yes. to sort of neutral, and then I, I don't think you'd know. All you'd notice is that actually, you know, prices aren't going up. Mm. That's a good thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I don't think. I think if you're right, if you flick a switch, yes, and all of a sudden tomorrow we're in a world where everything's going yeah. down exactly yeah. at three percent. Yeah, that's that's probably not a okay. good transition to have. But if, if if it's if it's a transition like. Inflation always moves around, mm-hmm. but if it, if it's a transition that trends that way over a decade or two, yeah. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's actually a good thing. Yeah,
1: I I I, yeah, I think we're probably probably closer than we probably thought we were. I'm not I'm not sure it's a good thing. I think the the it's a good thing thing depends on the same sorts of different views. that I, I have a different, just a very ideological perspective, but but yeah. I, but I don't think it, I don't think it would be I don't think it would be terrible. Well. It probably wouldn't be terrible, and if it started to go badly, we could fix it. If it was minus point one, then minus point two, and things started to gum up, you would be like, "Okay, we can fix this." I yeah, I'm actually, sure. I'm a, yeah, I think you're right. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no dramatic world-shifting something that goes from plus point one to minus point one price-wise, and all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. I agree with you there for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. I guess, I guess the reason I raise it um, is that Graham's question was just outstanding because mm. it's, it's, it's those simple question i don't mean to I, I, it feels like i'm undercutting it by calling it simple no no I just no mean it's just, right. yeah it's exactly it's the kind of question yeah. my boy's getting old enough now where he says oh dad why mm, is that mm, and you go "Oh, mm. just because that's how it is and you would like you yeah. actually now every now and again i catch myself and go yeah. actually i don't know yeah, yeah i actually don't know and and once so I, I think mate. it's yeah, you know, it's well, like, the Great Wall times to well, get the river tap. Just you, you ask that really simple question of mm-hmm. why, and then you just keep like you do what that annoying four-year-old does, and you just yeah. go, yeah, but why? Yeah. But why? But why? And and more and more as I've sort of mm-hmm. done that, I just kind of think we rattle off these things as gospel truth. Yeah. It's all a human invention. We yeah. just we assume that it is, and it's like, well, have you got any data on that? Oh no, it's but Philip Lowe said it, or yeah. you know, yeah. guy at Harvard said it in 1963. Yeah. And it's like okay. That's cool. Who else said it? Yeah. Well, no one, but we all agree <laughs> yeah, with him. Right. Has anyone read his book? <laughs> yeah. No, but I read the book that the guy who read his book wrote. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I up, read a tweet about it. <laughs> and I, I went, I went to uni, and yeah, they yeah. said that this guy called Kane said this stuff, yep. and that's just how we base our entire society. Just, and mm. it's not just it, it, the the danger here is assuming that everything is a con, and that everything, mm. everything needs to be burnt to the ground. It, don't. I'm not going that direction. We've figured out a lot of really important stuff. It is just important to ask the simple questions because therein lies they're 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 the ones that throw up the more interesting answers. We could talk for the next two hours as to which of the (laughs) what are the best the three ETFs in Australia. It's like we're all Mm. you know whatever your opinion is, it's never really going to make that much of a difference to your investing and your outcome. You know, having a fundamental understanding of exactly what the heck is this thing that we call the economy and yep. money and th- they're far more interesting as far as I'm concerned. And I agree. Anyway, just lead, lead to some interesting conclusions.
1: No, I, I agree. I, I think I my 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 last comment before you make your last comment, I'll make my final last comment. Um would just be that I think I think we I, w- I would just encourage us to think about these as human systems, not as not as technical systems, and I think there's just yeah, that, that that overlay. Yep. Not that you're wrong, not that I'm right, not that anyone's right or wrong. Just that it, it's you know the, the stories we tell ourselves, wherever that quote comes from, is kind of like that's all that that that's societies, that's economies, that's belief systems. Exactly yeah. right, and so to some yeah. degree, it, on one level, it, like is it technically correct or not? I don't know. On that level, you know, if we all if we if we all believe the same lie, it's kind of how societies work, right? There's some there's some element of like it's 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 a lie, but we all believe it and get on with it. And it's not hurting anybody, so it's fine. Mm. I, I, at one level of kind of philosophy, it's still a lie. On the other hand, it's like, you know, it's if the system, if the system is a system, is a system, then it's almost, it's it'll, it'll, it, on one level, it doesn't matter where it comes from or why it has, why it exists, right? It's just the fact that it, it does, and then we all, you all accept it. No, it's not, not, again, not just we shouldn't make changes or, or investigate those things or or analyse them. Uh, I just think there's, there's some element which is just. We've, the belief systems that make the I mean the economy the economy you've said many times right there's no such thing as the economy I think it's a, it's a pretty reductive view but I, but I absolutely understand where you're coming from there um, isn't yeah. but, it, but it, you know because it, it is to your point it's the sum total of the things that we do and those yeah. things that we do are driven by the things that we think and the way we interact mm. for, what, for what that's worth and we've gone completely off the topic now yeah.
0: I'll just give you one book recommendation. Um, It's a Bitcoin book. I'm editing this out. (laughs) Uh, It's called Sapiens by uh, Yuval Noah Harari. Oh, yeah. A lot of you would have heard of it. It's, yeah. it's a very famous book, yep. very critical. But, but what he's getting at there is what you said, which is that all yeah. of human... The, the secret special. to human flourishing and success yeah. is not the opposable thumb. <laughs> it's not the frontal cortex. Yeah. I mean, they're important things, yeah. but, you know, Neanderthals had that. Mm, yeah. um, it, it was actually the ability to have shared fictions. Yeah. That, that we can interact at scale. I mean, I, I can fly to the other side of the planet, hand yeah, someone right, a, exactly. a piece of paper yeah, and they will do something exactly. for me. Right. I've never met them. I don't speak the same language, nothing You can tap
1: a piece of paper against electronic and say, trust me, it'll be fine, and then go home.
0: Yep. You don't have to, have yep. to give and them that, actual paper. <laughs> it, it's true. And so we, we, we have these <laughs> yeah. shared fictions yeah. that we share that allow yep. us to operate like an ant colony as opposed to a single ant. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it, Society is just a big supercomputer connecting yeah. all, and arguably big brains. But I don't care who, how big your brain is. You know, you can take Einstein and throw him on an island. He's, mm-hmm. he's dead within a week, yeah, right? Like he doesn't, right? He doesn't it's, it's our, our superpower comes as a species yeah. And, yeah. and this is where money is so fundamental because mm-hmm. it's the coordinating mm-hmm. mechanism that allows us to scale. I can do stuff for you or you can do stuff for me. Yeah, I can all yeah. complete straight, yeah. and we do yep. it because we yep. have this trust in this thing. This this thing that's completely made up. Totally, same with political systems. Sorry to offend, but same with a lot of religious systems. Well, religious systems. Same with anything, right? They're just stories that, that that coordinate our actions at scale. And, uh, and it, it does do us some good, I think, at times, to time just to question things and approach things from first principles. It's, it's healthy, I would say.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Motley Fool Philosophy Podcast. Uh, we will get back to money now, though. I'm at, at a Next re- week, really fun the show. meaning of life. Exactly. <laughs> uh, 42.
0: Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: One from Anonymous. He says Anonymous at the top and I've actually read it this time, so I'm getting better at this ram. A couple of years, I'll be fine. Uh, I'm a long-term listener, he says, and there is rarely an episode that doesn't leave you with more food for thought. Hopefully, you're still listening now after our rambling
0: thoughts <laughs> We've it. given you plenty so
1: far. <laughs> <laughs> or not. What are you people talking yeah. about? I would like to know the process you go through to determine when it might be time to further invest directly into US shares, given the current level of the Australian dollar. My viewers, US tech shares are closer to the bottom of this downturn than the top, and it might be a prudent time to start buying into that sector of the market. Or I'm not sure how to calculate the currency risk. I would welcome your thoughts on this. Thanks. I look forward to more food for thought. Now, I mean, we've talked about this a, a few times in the past towards US dollars. Why I wanted to throw this question in, I almost said the name of the questioner again because I'm not very good at this, um, mm-hmm. was the combination of, the juxtaposition of the share price and the currency. Because at one point we would say to people, don't worry too much about the currency. It would be not, Unreasonable. Uh, if I draw a long bow, say, "Well, don't worry about the share price. It's only, it's only the price you're paying." Yeah, it's, it's, it's some. It's some <laughs> speaking of a question we just answered, it's, it's, only, it's only a made-up number. It's just you know, it's a representation <laughs> of something. Um, and you know, if we, if we lived in if we lived in the US or, or the company was listed here, we wouldn't have the currency question to answer. But it is a function of the share price. I mean, you know, daily. If we said let's ignore the currency, you could do that, and then you could simply say, well, "Okay, what's the Australian dollar value of let's call it Apple because I don't know Apple shares." The Australian the dollar value of Apple shares, or the Australian dollar price, I should say, to be more clear, is X today. And tomorrow will be Y, and the day after will be Z. And I think it does us at some level to say, well, hang on, the combination of that and then the future value in Australian dollars uh, on the same basis has some um, worthwhile consideration at least. And so if we kind of express it in share price terms... The whole "I oh, don't worry about it" thing kind of goes away a little bit, or at least it puts it in a different context. And I just thought the way he asked the mm. question, just combining the two, was worth just. Oh, well, I guess my question to you is: Does your view change versus previous times we talked about this sort of topic, given the combination of the
0: share price and the currency? <sighs> no, and it <laughs> depends what game you love. It. It just. I mean, it's such a natural question to ask, and yeah. it's a question I've wrestled with in the past, mm. and. And now I don't think about it at all. It depends. So if, you're, if you've are if you got a bit of cash and you're looking to invest that for the next two or three years and you've got a certain view on the outlook for the US economy and tech stocks and you're right, mm. then that will let inform you of what to do. Mm. But I don't know if you're right. And it's not because I think you know, I just—I've I, yeah. been—we've just had this big conversation today, <laughs> and also in on Friday's podcast yeah. about how diabolically tough all of these yeah, forecasts are. And yeah. People with you know the best education, the best resources in the world get it wrong continually because yeah. because it, it's hard. It's, it's a dynamic, chaotic system. So, so the answer, what what most people will tell you in that response to that question will be. Mm well, I personally think the US is going to do this yeah. and you'll probably get a better price. And that, that, that will just inform the decision because they will lay out a very specific future based on their expectation. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need to have a bit more humility to it. And I would say you can't do it, full stop. Okay. But, but if you can, then, then well, you do do whatever that tells you to do. If you, but if you acknowledge that you can't do it, the, it's a more broader question, which is, am I investing for a meaningful period of time here? <laughs> like, you know, five, 10 years sort of plus. Do I believe that the US, um, as a um, uh, what's the word for it? There is there is such a something. Sp- the US has got so many problems, but there is something so special <laughs> hmm. about the culture, the 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 the, 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 the business, the commercial, yeah. the. Silicon Valley, the the vibe, you know, all Mama, they, they yeah, just yeah. get it. They just get it. Yeah. They've they've got this wonderful system that allows experimentation and flourishing. Mm-hmm. And there's no there's no great accident that the biggest, best companies in the world have all come out of the US. And so although I think it's probably an empire in long term decline, mm-hmm. I think I'm not going to be betting against that over the next few decades and particularly on on the on the commercial front Mm. society may go to hell but they'll still have some incredibly uh, capable people so that and you might disagree and if in fact if you disagree well don't invest in the us but i'm saying if you do think that over time that currencies will probably fluctuate around Mm. economies will go into booms and busts and back and forth and all around again but over the next 10 years, you'll see some incredible companies emerge and some incredible companies that are around today continue to flourish and grow, mm. then, yeah, just buy it now and, and then continue to buy and just, just keep dribbling it in. It's, it sounds, it sounds um, mm. recklessly naive, but it's, it's that, which I agree is a very unsatisfying answer, or it's just become someone unlike anyone else on the planet who's able to forecast the future accurately, you know? Mm, <laughs> I, if I if I could forecast the future extremely accurately, yeah, of course. I would not be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> hey, come on, be kind. You'd still, not, you'd still I mean, be I,
1: here. You'd still be here. Well, maybe I would. I'd need a soapbox, <laughs> but I
0: but I I would be doing it. I would be doing it from, you know, um, some incredible position of of, of wealth. Yes, yeah. The fact the fact that you can't I mean, I'll put it the other way around. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people trying to play various markets around the world. Okay. And you name for me, if you can, five people who have who have made their money from correctly speculating on these kinds of things. I and mean, you, you might find a couple. Mm-hmm. You'd probably be statistically a abhorrent if you didn't. Yeah, exactly. That's right. It's the infinite monkey hypothesis, right? Like some one of them's gonna bang out the works yeah. of Shakespeare if you just yeah. bang away at it long yeah. enough. But you're certainly not gonna find anything that's statistically valid. And that that is a very powerful signal because it it's the height of hubris to think. Hey, listen, I know that I searched long and hard and I could find a handful of people over the last hundred years who have managed to mm, do this, mm. but I reckon I can do it. Mm. M- maybe, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, it's, it's possible for me to throw this cup at the wall and it to go straight through. Quantum mechanics tells us that is, that is not an impossible thing. <laughs> you yeah, know, right. I'm not going to do it because the odds are pretty good that it's going to smash into a thousand pieces. <laughs> and it's worth thinking, in, I think, in those, those terms. So let me, though, ask you so I, I, I agree
1: with all that to a point. But then why didn't we just have the same conversation about share prices for exactly the same reasons? Uh, who knows? There's 300,000 people out there trying to do it. They're trying to do share prices. Why would you bother trying to pick a share price? Uh, it's going to fluctuate anyway. Just pay whatever price and just keep doing it.
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So so the question I was answering was more on just whether you want to invest in the US. Yes, no. I, I, I think you totally. do. The, the follow up and the the part that you're adding on there, mm-hmm. which is right, you're right to do, is to say, does that mean that every company in the U.S. is a great company no. No. or at yeah. a great price? No, it doesn't, and that's that's the second part of it. So, mm-hmm. so I think as a jurisdiction, as a as a geography, um, yeah, absolutely. As as a when it comes to an individual share, well, that's where you've got to you've got to do the work. Mm-hmm. We've said a million times, you're gonna even when you do all the work, the due diligence of the world, you're gonna make mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. I guess you and I have this belief otherwise we wouldn't be doing it <laughs> exactly. that if, if you if you do more or less the right thing mm. you'll be right often enough to make it worthwhile in the sense that it'll be better than what you could do on average yep. um, so far so good yeah I'm happy to say um, I, I, yeah. I, I, be- I believe I believe that and no again it's a really interesting debate actually we could get into because a lot of people <laughs> might argue that it's it's futile and maybe maybe statistically are the abhorrent ones that have, that have mm. managed to do that but okay. um, yeah, better or worse. I, I I tend to I tend to think if you take some very simple concepts very seriously and you apply them over a long enough period of time, and uh, you'll, you'll probably do pretty well. Yep. I don't
1: have anything to add other than what I've said before, which is I, I take a slightly more interventionist view to you, which is just, you know, there is a very, very, very big middle of the bell curve where trying to predict what comes next is silly. Mm. Uh, but at at, at, at at historical extremes, I think there is a reasonable enough assumption that you can believe those extremes are unlikely to persist yeah. and so it would yeah, be yeah. almost reckless. At a $1.10 when, when the Australian dollar was buying adults in the US, you're mad not to put money in the US but you're equally mad to try and bring US dollars home. It just—it just was. At worst it was going to stay there and that was super unlikely but at worst it was going to say that It was probably going to go lower and so bringing back money unless you absolutely had to at that point was silly. At 45 cents US sending any money um, to the US, made zero sense, and not bringing it back would almost be, you know, criminal because it was unlikely to stay that low. Or if it did, you're still on a, you know, low, heads I win, tails I don't lose much type type mm. scenarios. A- at something closer to the averages, I think that at the fat bit of the middle of the bell curve, you're wasting your time trying to predict. So I, I think there are circumstances and exceptions where. It's a bit like share prices, right? Um, Do I think BHP is worth buying? Most of the time, probably not. If shares get to 45 cents, I'm probably going to buy them. And if they're at $400 Mm. where I sell them, yeah, yeah, pretty certainly. Not because I know everything about BHP, just because law of averages, I'm I'm probably going to be doing pretty well if I get presented with extremes. Even where my predictive powers of the specifics of what the future looks like aren't great, Mm. I can probably also still recognise meaningful over-under valuation as a as a concept rather than needing to be specific about then what will happen by date X in the future.
0: There's a, there's a few, there's a pretty mm. small handful actually of, of super powerful, um, <laughs> the cool kids these days call them mental models, yes. but, you know, concepts or ideas. Yeah. Frameworks, yeah. And frameworks. <laughs> um, uh, and I think one of them that you've just touched on there is is what you call mean reversion, which which is very powerful Mm -hmm. under a lot of different things. So you're talking about mean reversion in terms of earnings multiples or something like that. It's a very real thing. And it doesn't mean that something's high, it won't go higher or it won't stay there for a while. But it is reckless as part of your investment uh, thesis Mm -hmm. to assume that it will continue to – trees (laughs) don't grow to the sky is the old saying. And uh, a company can be expensive on 50 times earnings, and then it could go to 100 times. But mm. more often than not, you're going to find that it goes back. And just for a point of reference, on the ASX, the average PE multiple is 16 or 17, I think, from memory. Mm. And so, uh, again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't certainly trade to, to deliberately use the term trade as opposed to invest around that. Mm. I mm. absolutely think that's absolute madness. Um, yeah, but I think right. it would, I think it helps when when you're trying to work out what is good value. Yeah. I've got actually some stocks in my portfolio trading on eye-watering PEs, yeah. but I feel as though it's actually the PEs are going to fall very radically. It's mm-hmm. just that it will be because the um, the denominator is going to rise yeah. Yeah. <laughs> more more than the numerator falling. Yep. Yep. Um, but it will revert. And That's one thing. Either, either the earnings rise yeah, or the price collapses. Right. One way or the other. One exactly, way. Yeah. One way or the <laughs> other. Yeah. That, that it's not <laughs> going <laughs> to stay at a PE of eighty. I guarantee you that. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, so it's it's yeah. Anyways, it's it's. it's it's just worth hammering that point. Aussie dollar is another classic one as well. Mm, yeah. uh, it will tend to mean revert probably yeah. around 75 cents, something like yeah. that. And 7. more than most, by the way, because exchange rates,
1: by definition, don't have absolute... Share prices can go up. Or PEs tend to, mm-hmm. tend to tend to mean revert, but the share prices themselves, if a the company keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, will go up. Yes. Uh, Australian dollars is never worth 10 US dollars or 10 US cents. It's yes. going to fluctuate somewhere around something because you're swapping one for the other. It's literally a one for one comparison where no value is being created or destroyed, as opposed yep. to companies or even even property. I know Andrew doesn't like yep. saying the word property, uh, but you know there, there are there are things being created, um, and, and by the way, they can be destroyed. That's why share prices go down. There's no don't don't yep. assume that's going back to a previous share price, but a PE, which is a ratio, or an exchange rate, which is like a foreign exchange exchange rate. Those things do tend to be revert because they are um, com-
0: comparisons. They're relatives. They're ratios. That's t- yep. t- basically what they do. So, so things like um, price to income or price to household debt or there's is, this is, this is, this is some interesting metrics around property that we we could expand on yeah, here. Yeah, good point. Um, they, they don't mean revert. I told you that I not mean revert. <laughs>
1: um, yes, no, you're absolutely
0: right. Let's go to a they question. we are from, so
1: going to revert. Let's go to a question Careful. from Derek so we can uh, move move, on. Uh, Derek move says, on. Derek says, thanks for sharing your thoughts on your outstanding podcast. I've enjoyed the thought-provoking discussions over the last few years that I've been listening. I'm in my third year as a member of a couple of Motley Fool services. Thank you, mate. Just like the Scarecrow
0: who won the award for being outstanding in his field.
1: But. You are clearly a famous duo in your own right, he said, but I love the Statler and Waldorf comparison. Perhaps you prefer one of the following. Tom and Jerry, Simon and Garfunkel, Abbott, Costello, Itchy and Scratchy, or maybe Thelma and Louise. I'm not sure which, <laughs> not sure which is most appropriate, but look, look for us driving over a cliff near you is all I'm saying. I don't,
0: I don't mind me a bit of Simon and Garfunkel. I'll
1: take that one. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's a good one. Yeah. Maybe not Thelma and Louise. Itchy
0: and Scratchy. Ren, Ren and Stimpy is oh. another one. Yeah, There's a thousand
1: of them. I've never watched a single minute of Ren and Stimpy, but I do know who they oh, are. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, I missed that one. Went past me somehow. Yeah. My uh, three questions from Derek are... One, I use Comsec as my broker and have built a diverse portfolio of shares in a range of companies that are aligned with a number of different share registries. Can you please explain the purpose of the share registry
0: and whether a portfolio can be consolidated into a single one? No, it can't. Because <laughs> it depends on each company chooses a registry to look after its register. Um, so the big ones are Link, uh, Computer Share. Yep. Boardroom uh, is another one. Boardroom. Gosh, there's a... There's a there's a good half dozen, probably a dozen once mm-hmm. you really get into it. And so they're just responsible. You, you, you use these people to, to help keep track mm-hmm. of who owns what, when things are bought and sold. That's important for things like dividends, uh, you know, any kind of corporate action and this kind of stuff. So you can't it, – it just depends on, yeah. on which one your company chooses. I mean, if you've got chess sponsorship, you actually – the only time you really need to bother about is when you first own a company. You need to sort of, um, they'll send you some documents. Do they still send you mail documents?
1: Yeah, but the brokers are now allowing people to opt out of those, but at the moment, yes, they still. Oh, You can opt in into, into email at the broker level, at the registry level, um, but yes. It
0: should be, or, we're I sending know. you an email, um, Grandpa, because it's 2022, <laughs> and if you want us to send yeah. out the hard copy, opt, we yeah, will, correct, okay? Correct. Yep. Send your courier pigeon to this address. <laughs> We'll tap into this Telegram, and we'll make sure. because It's <laughs> absolute, the amount of the amount of wastage. Anyway, yeah. that's that's favourite like hobby horse. of mine to rant on that, but um, yeah, you'll get some you'll get some forms in like what mm. fill out your tax file number, your address, yep. your bank account, that kind of stuff. There are um, also a some bit of, um
1: the they, the payment records are held by those guys, and particularly if you own a reit or a, what they call stapled security. Don't worry about that. Mm. Uh, but a lot of uh, also the ETFs. Um, you get tax statements at the end of the year. So you do need the registry details for those. So yes, when you first sign up, but you will need it for tax purposes every year to actually access some of those ETF or or, um, REIT statements because they have a whole lot of different tax considerations Mm -hmm. that go into your tax return.
0: I want to say, I'm just furiously, I was hoping you'd speak for a bit longer. While I I do that, while you do that, Um,
1: I am flabbergasted these days that that tax stuff can't be just sent straight through the ATO. If you give your tax oh file gosh. number, like, so what do I have to print out and send? Like, just link the whole bloody thing together, right? You've got my TFN. You've got my details. If I don't want to give it, I don't have to. But if I do, just suck it straight through. Why, why I have to print out and send in a copy of that bloody tax report so they can put different numbers on different lines. Like, surely that's got to be gettable.
0: Oh, yeah. my goodness. You know why? Yeah. Why is it so hard? Yep, absolutely. Um, I was going to say, computer share has been one of one of the unsung heroes of the ASX. It's just been a phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal investment. I remember, get this, regrets. <laughs> I've had a few. Uh, I started working in this crazy space in in the <laughs> late nineties, yeah. right in the in the tech bull, bull uh, the tech uh, bubble. Yeah, uh, so fascinating time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bought shares in, in computer share. I want to say about three bucks or so, Oof. and. Uh, long story short they're like 10 times that much at the moment but but they have consistently consistently delivered they've had periods that they've got washed out like they they sort of align to market cycles so obviously the GFC wasn't great for them you know interest rates too yeah interest rates too carry a lot of cash but they're they're pretty they're pretty well if if run well I don't know about link because link is also listed Mm. link administration LNK I just here we go. Okay. No, that's only been around for f- four years or so on the market. Uh, yeah, not as good. Anyway, <laughs> computer share. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to because it's actually they've, – they've been a consistent yeah. deliverer and I think they, they they are part of a market where scale and size and dominance kind of matters and helps and seems like they've done it pretty Pretty good job. I don't own shares, and I'm not. This is not a recommendation. I'm just saying. I'm just giving credit where it's due. So far to date, it's been a good performer.
1: Yeah. I uh, yes, I think that's right. Look, just just to answer back to the question that was asked. Uh, I trying to that Andrew sometimes. Uh, Derek, um, <laughs> the the, recent, the share registry is an outsourced function for the company themselves. So back in the old days, Woolworths used to do its own, have its own share. We had people whose job it was to keep track of this stuff. Computer said, "Hey, that's a bit crazy. It's a very specialised thing. We can help you all do it better." So think yourself lucky. Once upon a time, you had 20, thirty companies, you should have thirty different registries to deal with, with thirty different bits of documentation, all that kind of stuff. Having two or three, or maybe four, if you're unlucky, um, is painful. But better, And to Andrew's point, they're they're a function of the company, not the broker. Uh, And so, yeah, just just having a few is actually, believe it or not, much better. I would love one too because it is a pain in the neck, Um, but it's much, much better to have a couple than have to deal with every single company and talk to their internal share registry, which is how things used to be. Mm. Um, Derek, second question, mate. On Comstick, he says, sometimes I look at some recommendations and see a target price. Does this term have a universal meaning? Could it be
0: considered current value or a 12-month target price? Yeah. What an excellent question. I don't know. It, it, you have to ask the person who's putting it out. Sometimes it means I think it's going to get there within a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's more a, a synonym for intrinsic value and that we just think it's worth this amount. In other words, anything below it is good. Mm-hmm. Anything above it is bad. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those. There's no formal definition. So it's really depends on how it's used. I'm not sure if ComSec explained that in any great, great detail. Um I would say that uh, you can... Look, look, I've got it open just because we were talking about computer share, right? So I go to computer share. Goldman Sachs, not covered, okay? Odd. Seems like very, you know, $16 billion dollar top 100 company okay whatever <laughs> morningstar premium it's a hold with a fair value of 26 I'll probably give you okay, the interesting. IPv, by the way but- also from morningstar <laughs> but the quantitative team so they're in a different floor overvalued <laughs> overvalued oh geez what do you think it's worth Oh, fair value 26 dollars 20 okay so you're 20 cents off from your mates downstairs and it's okay right consensus so this is it'll tell you uh it's a, it's a blend of various different people ra ra rah. Mm-hmm. strong buy. Mm. I mean who's right? Yeah. And I'm not I'm not I mean this is a market, right? Everyone's going to have a different opinion. But but sell-side analysts don't have a great track record. Mm. You, I don't want to steal your thunder here because I know you've got a phenomenal story, which I really want you to tease up, tease apart here. <laughs> but I believe you've actually looked into the uh, the. You, you took a statistical lens to some of these. I'm all
1: about the I'm all about the numbers, Ram. Thank you for that beautiful lead up. Unfortunately, I'm scrolling madly through my Twitter to try and find the information. <laughs> I didn't write it down anywhere else. So I'm now talking and talking aimlessly. Um, no, it's a really good question. Look, here's the thing. So I'm going to go back to target price quickly while I look for this one. Um, the target price is normally a 12-month price. In other words, where the shares will get to in their view, um, which mm. is as useless as you probably imagine it might be. Um, we Humans, want, we want to find a number. We want to believe there's a reason for a number. We want to then be able to say, great, thank goodness. Now I've got a basis for a decision and that's enough. That'll do. I can happily use that information to buy my shares. We'd we, we love something to anchor to, right? To, to grab onto, to say, this feels weird. I'm in, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I don't really know how, what to think, how to think. Can someone please tell me what the number is so I can do something with it? It is absolutely as useless as you might expect because as Andrew says, nobody knows. More importantly, even if you, if you thought the value was, Expecting that you could know how the market will change over that 12 months' time. I mean, think about doing it, you know, three months before COVID, right? You've got a target price. Unless you'd allowed for COVID or high rates or high inflation or something else in those numbers, you were never going to be right about that number. Like, it was just never going to happen. So, I get that people want to do it. I get that it makes sense to think about it. It is absolutely useless, as Andrew says. And by the way, there, there should be a different market for different views, but I uh, you know, tell me what the company might be worth and I'm starting to listen to you tell me what you think the price will be at that point maybe if you're lucky that gets really silly really fast I think mm. that's, a, that's a waste mate um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back like the curtain a little bit you've been very kind I was scrolling and talking you looked it up for me on Twitter and sent me the link so thank you very much for doing that <laughs> Andrew Page is looking after you Phil um, so here's, here's, the, here's the great thing uh, on ComSec uh, I, did, I did pull up that consensus I saw the same thing they were, they were promoting it on their website so I'll have a look at that there are 645 recommendations where they have a consensus recommendation. They get all the brokers, they poll them all, they put all their numbers in a spreadsheet and they weight them accordingly. So if you know two thirds of them say buy and a third says sell, then it might be a hold or something. You know, They kind of try and work it out. So there's 645 of them. 297, which is half, uh, which isn't half, are strong buys. 239 are moderate buys. Now, if you're paying attention at home, that's the best part of, what is that, 536 out of 645 companies covered are buys. 93. That's uh, 80, 83% are buys. Okay. Thank yep. you. 93 are holds, which leaves exactly 16 companies. 15 of those are a moderate sell, and one poor bastard, who obviously has annoyed some broker enough, is a strong sell. There is only one company out of 645 the Comsec has consensus estimates for.
0: That is a strong sell. Now, even if you take the moderate sells, that's less yes. than two and a half percent of all companies polled are worth selling. <laughs> now, I was going to say because you're taking averages, it's very hard to get what should be harder to get a
1: strong sell or a strong buy, because if someone says sell and other people say buy, it's going to, the average comes down. Right, it just has to. Mm. Should be in theory, but as you said, mate, one strong sell, 297 strong buys. This is a very, very, very skewed distribution. <laughs> if you think the you know, because remember, by the way, averages are by definition average, that's exactly how it works. Now, I'm going to be a little bit fair because I feel like I should for ComSec's case sake, not that I have anything to do with them, I don't care. So, if you want with them? Uh, that's a third of the ASX is covered. Now you could say well that's maybe the best third. Somehow they've, they've the brokers only cover the best third of companies on the ASX. That would be gutsy. I uh it would be uh maybe an idea, something to something to think about. Uh, but yeah, that it's it's it, there are yeah. <laughs> there are also potentially arguably reasons why brokers who have investment bank arms who want to provide capital to these companies might actually be prevented or maybe incentivized not to say bad things about them but hey you choose that's up to you yeah. uh, i will say by the way for those who say it's just a sand, random sample there were 88 large cap consensus recommendations they're the ones that you expect everyone would cover right 88 of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. only four were moderate cells and none of them was a strong sell. <laughs> so that's 84 buy uh, buy or hold only four moderate sell, and no large large cap strong sales in other words they believe none of those 88 companies will do worse than the market sorry only four of them will do worse than the market 88 of the 84 of the 88 will do better than the market that's what makes them a buy and if you think that's
0: likely to be the case well i've got a bridge i'd like to sell you yeah so the question the obvious question i love that tweet by the way i've got just sometimes you know your spidey sense is going to go off, right? With something like mm-hmm, something mm-hmm, is off mm-hmm. there. So the, the obvious question is, well, why is that? And 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 the yeah. the conspiracy theory, which I personally am going to buy into this one, <laughs> is that you you don't you don't, you <laughs> don't bite me? the hand that feeds you, right? So if you're a broker, you want to be taking a lot of you want to assisting companies if their capital raises and and all the rest. There's a lot of mm-hmm. money to be made there. A lot of mm-hmm. snouts in the trough. So, you know, you you want to be in the good books. You want access to management. You want all of those kinds of mm-hmm. things. And so, you know, if you go around saying oh, this company's crap and you should sell it, you know, you know, you don't make many friends and you don't get many you don't get much <laughs> deal flow. Correct. In fact, you don't get any deal Correct. flow because that curmudgeonly old bugger over there is just going to tell everyone how bad your business is. You know, so 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 you play nice. That's why they do that's why you'll hear the difference between what they call sell-side mm-hmm. analysts and buy-side analysts. Sell-side analysts sell advice. Buy-side analysts do advice for, the, for their – they eat their own cooking, in other words. So they're, they're, they're doing – you actually won't find that published because they're doing it for themselves. The others are, are, are selling advice. Yeah, so it, it's like managed s- funds and that kind of stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, if, if I, again, I want access to management. I, I want to be able to be considered next time you, you're doing a, a capital raise. I'm just, I'm just going to play nice. <laughs> I, just, I just am. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. Do you have a better explanation? Nope. <laughs> uh, oh, again,
1: look, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I never want to be. I never want to be. I never want to be that that guy, right? Who can only ever see faults. So maybe those companies are incentivized to only cover better businesses in the first place. You're not going to cover the crap stuff. So if there's 600 companies that are covered, there's 1,200 not. Maybe all 1,200 are sells and they're only covering the buyers. I mean, there's 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 some there's some possibility that's true. Well, as I've already said not, much, not, much, of and, not much. of a
0: possibility. Can I give you another not bit of much, research? But, but I just want I want to allow, I want to allow for it. Go on. Another bit of research, which is very good. I wish I had it here that I could direct people to it, but they've done it in different markets over different timeframes, is that generally we all know that the market tends to go up over time. What might be a bit more surprising is that the like the lion's share of the gains are, are really underpinned by a small handful of companies. So in other words, if you took out the top 10 performers on the ASX over the last decade, I mean, you, you radically change there's, there's 500 stocks in the all ordinaries. You think, oh, if I just take out 10, even in the top 10, you know, there's still a lot of other companies performing well over that period. Actually, not as much. So, so we do know that the 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 market, which is actually a, a great argument for wide diversification in ETFs, because you're guaranteed to capture the the, the you know, the next X Y Z that's mm. that's going to go to the moon. But 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 that would tell you that such a broad spread is with your explanation that you're you're very um, generously offering. <laughs> <laughs> um, can almost cannot be true. It, it just can't be true. Yeah,
1: probably not. It's <laughs> not true. <laughs> I, 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 I'm allergic to absolutes, generally speaking. So,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: mate, let's uh, let's. So, let's so, off so, so before you do before you do before you, do, before you do,
0: before you do, before you do, the take yep. home the take home message here is treat <laughs> what you see. No, I'm going to pick on Comsec here. Just treat what you see, whether it's from me yes. or Scott or anyone, you know, as a strong buy recommendation. As just just be careful not to take everything at face value. Do your own research. D-Y-O-R is always the, the thing you'll see around the place. And I think it's a really good thing. I think definitely you'll build up trust with with certain people and institutions. And that, I'm not saying just ignore everything. It's all rubbish. It's all a conspiracy. I'm not. But I am just sort of saying these are great to give you some ideas. It's always nice to get a bit of confirmation bias. Of course it is. But, you know, it's on you. It's your money. Do your own research. Make b- Build up your own conviction and make your own decision. If you're going to buy just what says strong buy on Comsec, you're almost certain to do very badly.
1: <laughs> yeah, good call. I will say, by the way, this isn't Comsec's research. They are just pro- they're just pr- providing or producing, publishing the, the results. So uh, just to be, to be yep. fairer to them, uh, the brokers, they are asking for their research, the ones who are providing these stats. Comsec's not filtering as far as I'm aware uh, or, or determining what or how it's published. So uh, it, it's, it's an issue with the industry, not just with Comsec. Hey, last one really quickly, just because I thought it was a bit of fun. Um, I don't even have a name for, for this person, unfortunately. Come from a member services team. Uh, Hi, Scott and Ramstein. Scott and Ramstein—is that like Rodgers and Hammerstein? I don't know. I have been Ramstein's learning a lot from a, the uh, podcast and was glad heavy, to share it with you, my retired parents. Like,
0: <laughs> oh dear, I think on. I think we've I think we've got a very big lag here. I'm sorry, sorry, listeners. i was just going to i was just going to. Um, socially signal how cool i am um which is rammstein is a german death metal band uh you, you wouldn't it? you wouldn't you wouldn't understand grandpa but i'm just i'm just <laughs> cluing you in <laughs> you and your Ren and snippy references and your Ramstein references there we go let's <laughs> <laughs>
1: like move on uh i like a lot of retirees they have a sizable cash position and want to roll it over into term deposits Term deposit rates seem a bit all over the place. And with more rate rises in the coming months, my father asked if he should take the rate now or wait a couple of months and get a higher interest rate then. I dusted off our famous, sorry, our favourite Ramsism and said, it depends. It depends. He was intrigued. <laughs> On one hand, I continued, 4% for 12 months is a good rate, but savings accounts pay monthly at 1.6%. So it might be better to sit in the savings account until a better rate comes, then lock that in. I quickly got out of my depth on the small print, says our questioner. So I'm reaching out to the pros. Here are some questions. So he says, if I have one account for 4% for 12 months and another that was 4% for three months, but I rolled it over four times, would I end up with the same amount? The answer is Yes. yes. Yes, you would. What does calculated daily and paid monthly mean?
0: Does it mean there's some compounding going on here? Right. Yeah, so so what what they do is uh, they have to work out how much interest to pay you. So th- if they calculate it, they'll look at how much balance is there and they'll go, okay, that's, I'll times it by the annual interest rate and I'll divide it by 365. So yeah. that's the day's interest. What you could do is maybe it's calculated it weekly. And maybe your bank account fluctuates wildly. Maybe it's $1 on, on one day and then it's like a million dollars on the last day, but they'll only calculated it on, on, a, speci- on a specific day. Yeah. In this instance, from what it sounds like, it's probably not going to make too much of a difference to you, but generally the standard is calculated daily uh, because, because balances can, can change a bit.
1: I have a feeling in the old days, mate, I, I have this vague memory, and I might be wrong, any old bankers out there can tell me. I have a feeling some banks used to pay on the interest on the, on the, uh, balance the end of the month. Okay. I, think, I think I think that's why the phrase became calculated daily paid monthly to actually tell you hey you get more over here if we do it our way. I have a I feel as though I right, would just so. have
0: I would have uh, I'd just be moving money around a lot
1: to take advantage. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. If, exactly. um, if interest is paid on maturity. Then what is the point of calculating daily? You've already said that, Ram. Uh, it just allows for now. look, a term deposit, it's probably it probably actually makes it almost exactly no difference um, because the balance isn't moving. Uh, so in this yep. case, I think what you're probably getting is just a the high savings account. Yeah, you're, you're, pro- yep. you're probably just getting the the, ter- the language they would use for at call accounts. They've just probably rolled it over to the term deposits because mm-hmm. it makes the lawyers happy. Um, so yep. you're, yes, you're right. There's no there's no difference there. Um, I suspect a lot of us have looked at term deposits or high interest savings accounts lately. So input is appreciated. You're welcome. He says, thanks team. Or, as I like to think of you guys, the Torval and Dean of the finance scene. (laughs) The Torval and Dean. Excellent. (laughs) Do you like the rhyming? That was the the Torval and Dean of the finance scene. I like it. He's even got the the branding going on. That will be on our (laughs) new podcast. No, it won't be. Sorry about that. And (laughs) actually, I did find Travis. That comes from Travis. So Travis, thank you for the question. Thank you for the questionable references. He's even included a link. A YouTube link to Torvald and Dean dancing the Bolero in the 1984 World Championships. Uh, And can I say Torval looks... Or Dean, one of them? Christopher Dean. Dean uh, looks very, very, very young. Younger than I remember him, but maybe that's because I was young at the same time. But either way, thank you, Travis. Well, I I don't know if I appreciate it, but I certainly appreciate the thoughts.
0: I will say um, if I'm given the choice of a 4% term deposit with a three-month maturity versus a 12-month the optionality compels me more towards the shorter duration Oh really? Yeah, I mean the long duration one is more if you have the view and again we've talked about how accurate these views tend to be but if you have the view that interest rates are going to fall then 12 month mm-hmm. is is by far the better one. That I was going to say that's yes, that to my mind rather than the optionality I'd be like yeah yep. you kind of so it has to be informed by that but if mm, if, mm. if you think that it potentially interest rates are going to rise or you just want the flexibility of being yes. able to access yes. your money sooner I'm still getting the same interest rate for that for that first 3 months and now I can do something else with it. Yes, correct. And or or maybe I think interest, rate, interest rates are going to go up and so then I'll just roll it into another term deposit at a higher rate. Yes. So it kind of kind of has to be informed by by what by what you expect. Yeah. So but I I, I, I always done. I just going to say I just always praise personally I always place a, a premium on optionality. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Um, it does require you, like we're talking about with interest rates and exchange rates and share prices and everything else, to have a view and then to be right about that view, and that's always yep. difficult. Uh, I don't know. If I had money now, oh, I would I would probably take three months and gamble on the fact that a higher rate is an offer in three months' time, given that rates are probably going to keep going up, but not with any confidence because we're kind of close to the end of the rate rising cycle at least in absolute in, in percentage terms not necessarily in date or i mean the the last rise could still be 12 months away for all i know but the size of mm. those increases um most of that's already baked in and so i guess if you look out three to five years someone at some point is going to start imagining they're going to come down rather than go up so yeah. um i don't know i think i'd probably go three months now by next february though i think i'd probably take the 12 if i got the same rate
0: yeah i mean so- who you knows? It's yeah. it's so it's it's so tricky. Oh, well, I guess yeah. one thing you could say is is that it's not probably not going to be a mile away. Like, well, yeah. some really interesting stuffs going to have to have gone down. Yes, if if, if it's like the difference between four percent now and eight percent in three months' time is like whoa, what happened to the world? Um, or vice versa, you know, like if it, if it, if it drops suddenly as well. So it's probably not going to be a life changing decision one way or the other. But mm. yeah, mm. I, I would err towards three personally. But
1: as you like to say, Ram. It depends. It depends. And on that, we will finish up. But before we do, please make sure you, if you're using iTunes, if you're using an uh, an iPhone, please give us a rating on the App Store if you wouldn't mind. Jump on the uh, on the podcast, give us five stars. We'd be super appreciated. Not because we're perfect just because the way these things rank if anything less than five is considered a failure so we'd love a five-star rating if you wouldn't mind yes i'm shilling for our podcast which always makes me uncomfortable but there you go that's where we find ourselves so if you could Gotta do give it. us five stars yeah, yeah. that's a oh, mate Talk about currency these days it's all about but the please stars. like
0: and subscribe yeah.
1: exactly smash the
0: whatever button something button. smash the like button there we go retweet it whatever you, got you gotta do you hit gotta
1: hit the notification bell too if you're on YouTube we're not on YouTube That's though right. so if this makes no sense to you don't worry about it uh, Andrew and I have have young boys who watch too much YouTube uh, so uh, yes please please do please do give us some raise if you wouldn't mind and if you've got some questions for us if you have something you want us to cover we're not coming to that part of the year where we're going to pre-record some episodes yes the bloody Bitcoin episode's coming, apparently, if we get some good questions. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what we're going to cover on that one, Ram, but we have promised it, so we'll find something to do. Dude, I can
0: guarantee you we're not going to have trouble filling an hour. <laughs> I'll
1: I'm, give you an hour cold right uh, now. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put the mic down and just let Andrew go for it. <laughs> uh, uh, so yes, please. if you've got any questions about Bitcoin, if you must, uh, I suppose we got to do an hour of it anyway. That might as well be good questions. So please hit us up with yeah. some Bitcoin questions uh, or sure. some crypto questions. You know, They're the same thing. So um, No, think-
0: I'm not talking about You did that on purpose because I just told you before this episode, nothing <laughs> Triggers me more than bloody crypto. <laughs> if you write in a crypto question, I'm not answering it. Did you like you the answer? I I said said Bitcoin they're kind of the
1: same anyway. Just kind of kept talking. Oh god, missed that. But you're already triggered by the crypto don't word. Don't trigger me. Don't uh, trigger so, me. If, but also, if you've got actual proper questions about proper investment assets, uh, feel free to send them to us. We'd love to get the questions from you. As I said, because we're pre-recording a couple of weeks of episodes uh, over the Christmas break, so so please do let us know. Uh, send them now, if you wouldn't mind. If you want to do that, you simply want to follow us on socials. Do that as well on Twitter. Elon has a broken it yet so it's still available uh, you can follow andrew at sage underscore simeon or at strawman invest you can get me on twitter or insta at tmf scott p or the motley fool on both those platforms at the motley fool au i'm on mastodon at scottphillips at mastodon.au me and three other people are there but if you are there come and say hello because it makes me feel a little less like a loser uh, and also too on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash Scott Phillips Money, or you find The Motley Fool there as well info at fool.com.au is our email address like our 58 year old uh, questioner whose name I did mention without meaning to and I will try not to do it over again, but I'll absolutely certainly screw that up at some point. Until I do screw it up soon. Until next Friday, as long as you'll rejoin me, Andrew.
0: Absolutely. would miss it. Full on. Cheers. (laughs)